What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of After the Game, a conversation with me and my dad, where we talk about the Utah Jazz, the NBA, and all things sports. My name is Spencer. And this is Barry, the dad. Welcome to After the Game. Welcome, everybody, to a late-night finish for the Jazz against the Sacramento Kings, and I thought it was a weird game. It was a strange game, right? It ended with a Jazz win, 110-101. All of a sudden, they were up, and then they were up 10, they were up 11, and they win by 9 against a team. And what is the word tonight, Spence? What do you think the word is on this game? Weird battle, you could say tough, hard-fought. You can go on and on. It just everything was in this game. I don't know what you think. I think the word is fast. This team is extremely fast, the Sacramento Kings. It's like you had to catch your breath during most of the games and the timeouts that the teams called. You're glad they called timeout because you were exhausted watching them. What an athletic team the Sacramento Kings are, and they're going to be much better this year than they were last year. What did you think about um, some of the key things that the Jazz did tonight or some of the stats that really uh, stand out to you? One big stat that kind of stood out to me that kind of dictated the game a little bit at the beginning was the amount of turnovers the Jazz had. They, I mean, it's kind of a negative outlook on it, but they had, um, I don't have the stat right here, but they had at least probably around 20 turnovers. 17 turnovers tonight. 17. 17 turnovers. So that's not good. You want to try to stay at least around 13. Um, uh, but a positive, I guess, kind of look at it is they shot well from the free throw line and they, they did hit their threes. Yeah, I mean, 17 turnovers, I really thought the Jazz actually had more than that. Um, and, it, and it was because of the Kings' defense. They were just pesky, you know, from Davion Mitchell, who it's fun to finally see um, Mitchell play Mitchell in this type of battle and – Donovan was the winner in points, and yet I think Davion got the best of him, best of him in some of those defensive stands. But it was just a just a fun game. A very it wasn't a better played game, but it was a better game to watch than the one against OKC. So there was a couple of players that fouled out, and the Sacramento was definitely some foul troubles. And we even had three technical fouls. Joe Ingles won out and got a flagrant two early in the first quarter, taking him out of the game. I personally thought it was a right call. I thought it was a dangerous play on Mitchell, um, but but it definitely impacted the game. Do you think the refs were fair on their play calls, or I, I don't really want to kind of give the refs too much involvement in the game? Yeah, uh, I, I think this one, they, they let him play. Remember that was one of the first comments we made early on in the game was, boy, they're really letting him play tonight. Ingles exactly. in, um, flagrant two. I'm not sure it was deserved, but it was the right call when a player is in the air and you impede his landing. Uh, in that format, I could see why it was a flagrant two. But I really can't tell you the last time that I saw a flagrant two called. Right. I really can't. And, I, and, and that, I think, hurt the Jazz. I don't know if it hurt the Jazz not to have Ingles there and not to have his scoring. I think it hurt their rotation and it hurt their psyche as the game moved on. They had this void they didn't plan on um, having. And what I mean by that is you can miss Ingles for a game if he declares I'm not playing tonight. But when you make your game plan that he's in the game and then all of a sudden he's not, that's a real big challenge. 
with Ingles out, you need Bogdanovich to step up a little bit better, and he didn't really kind of mm-hmm. step up as much as he probably were used to him stepping up just because he's a great player. Um, but we talked about it, too. It just seemed like since they're such a fat, Sacramento is such a fast, young, and aggressive team, they were right up in the face of the Jaspers the whole game, and that didn't, and not too many calls were made against them until the end, and that's when we really started taking over. What do you think about Donovan Mitchell tonight? So Donovan Mitchell ends up with 27 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists. When you look at the stat line, it's a Donovan Mitchell game. However, during the game, the ball stuck a lot, in my mind. Whenever it got into Donovan Mitchell's hands, the game slowed down, dribbling took place, and a little bit of one-on-one. I'm not going to knock our super superstar in Donovan Mitchell for playing two one-on-one, but it really slowed down when it got in his hands early in the game. I think he handled it a little bit better later in the game. But here's a statistic I'm not too sharp on, but I'd like to point out. The Sacramento Kings had 21 assists. We only had 16. I wish I knew stats better, but I don't think 16 assists are a lot in a game. John Stockton used to average 14 by himself. The, the Jazz only had 16 assists tonight, and that to me is a sign that the ball is sticking. So, Spence, when you ask me what I think about Donovan Mitchell, good stat line, but the ball stuck a lot early in the first half. It could just be because we're trying to figure out who we are as a team. I mean, obviously, we have the same starting lineup that we had last year, but we still have these new players coming in. What do you think of Hasim uh, Whiteside? Hassan Whiteside. I kind of feel like he makes the paint a little bit more congested than we're used to. Definitely a great player but it makes it difficult for somebody like Mitchell, who's so explosive on the drive, to kind of make it play. Well, you just made a great point. I, I think the Jazz are still trying to figure themselves out as these players come in. Pascal is new to the rotation. Um, Jared Butler got in for a few plays tonight. Trent Forrest, we saw some action, even though we know Trent from last year. And you're right, Hassan Whiteside doesn't necessarily know what Donovan's going to do. I mean, Rudy's been playing him with him now for you know four years, so he knows what he's going to do. I will say this about Hassan Whiteside and Rudy Gobert, and we can talk a little bit about Rudy Gobert. He had 17 points and 20 rebounds. That's 41 rebounds in the first two games. He's averaging 20 and a half rebounds a game, which is incredible. He's averaging 16 and a half points and getting incredible. But you combine him and Whiteside, they had 20, um, 25 points and 29 rebounds combined from your center position. So my quick my quick thought is yes, exclamation point on what you're saying about him clogging the paint. That said, eight points, nine rebounds, I'm happy with his production. Yeah, it was very good. Obviously, we were saved again by Clarkson. He kind of came in, and just the green light yeah. that he gets from, from Quinn really sets the tone for the bench and really sets the tone for the rest of the players. He kind of keeps the the team up, I kind of feel like they, they, they like him, they like playing with him, and it makes things a little bit easier. Um, kind of jumping over to um, the, the Sacramento, they played well in terms of they were ready to get the ball and go, and that just athleticism that they brought can't be slept on, and we might have we been sleeping at the beginning of the game, but what did you think about their their kind of aggressiveness. Do you think they're going to be a team to be worried about now that the West Coast teams are so good, or you see them not being too much of a threat? Well, like I said a little bit earlier, they are better this year than they were last year. Their record is going to be better 
this year than it was last year. I can now see why they walked into Portland the other night and won that first game of the season. Extremely athletic. And you and I talked a lot about that during the game. Like, wow, they're playing fast and they're playing relentless and they're playing without fear and they're playing athletically. You know, you look at Harrison Barnes. Harrison Barnes had 25 points and 14 rebounds. He had 30 I think he had 36 the other night in the opener, so he's playing red hot. De'Aaron Fox's stats, not great. 12 points, 3 rebounds, 6 assists, but he seemed in control of the game. But then you have Tyrese Halliburton, Terrence Davis, Rashawn Holmes, all of them extremely, uh, extremely athletic. And then you have Davion Mitchell, only 3 points, 1 rebound, 4 assists, but he played 32 minutes in just relentless relentless defense was Alex Len hacking Gobert and did that get in his head uh Gobert was up to his usual man I'm getting fouled on every play uh and most NBA players are like that took an elbow to the face though yeah he did I mean Len that's his game he's a big kid and he mucks things up I the question would be would you like Len on your team, or are you glad that Whiteside was the offseason pickup? Because I think Len was available coming over from uh, the Washington Wizards. I take Whiteside just because he's just a better player. Uh, if you go head to head, he's just better. And it's interesting because we talk about how 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 aggressive and how athletic Sacramento is. They missed a lot of shots, only shooting forty percent. We shot forty one percent, which isn't a great night for us. But they just seem to just get most of their points off of just picking up our loose balls, out-hustling us, and then scoring. But if you look at them in terms of talent and skill, it's not as technical as the Jazz. And so I think that's where our separation was. Um, what's his name? Heil? What's uh, it? Buddy Heald. Buddy Heald, yeah. So he just set the record for most, most threes by a Sacramento Kings player, which was always good to watch. But overall, they didn't really shoot as good as um, a winning team should shoot, and that kind of helped us. I think, personally, nothing against them as players, but since they're so young, so aggressive, and so fast, they might be a little bit hot-headed, and they could implode as they start to lose more and more games, making it, making them not, almost putting themselves out of the playoffs, making it harder for them to play together. Chemistry might get, get a little mucked up, and they could just kind of implode come come losing during the season yeah I mean this team is going to have to be well coached I, I I'm I don't know if Luke Walton truly is the coach for this team they're going to have to have some chemistry that's going to develop during the season and I don't know if I see it because they they all want to win so bad and they want to be the guy Buddy Heald was searching for his shot tonight and he over uh, took Peja Stojakovic as, to, as the most prolific three-point shooter in uh, Sacramento history. I said a minute ago that Len came from the Washington Wizards. He recently played in Toronto. Um, but yeah, I, I take Whiteside as well. It was, a, it was a really, really fun game to watch coming off of the game that we saw as the opener against OKC. Again, I'm going to say the stat of the night for me is what Rudy Gobert did, 17 points and 20 rebounds. I think he also, let's look really quick, went 9 for 10 from the free throw line. So give it up for Rudy Gobert on having another tremendous night. This guy is absolutely an all-star in my mind these first two games. And why he's not mentioned as a top center in the NBA is beyond me because he truly is on both sides of the ball. Yeah, just to wrap up the game, we we did talk about how we wanted a little bit more from Bogdanovich. What can you say about that? I feel like he 
is a great three-point shooter, and he can kind of just hang out around the three-point line and be effective there. He tends to put the ball down and drive, and then it looks like he always ends up on the ground. Maybe the Jazz are looking to get fouls, and maybe that's just where the NBA is at, where it's just a little bit more... Oh, there's a little bit more hacking going on, but for some reason, Bogdanovich will drive and end up on the ground, and, and not saying that he's... I'm not grateful for him on the team because he hits threes. I just wish he'd stay there. Yeah, Bogey had 22 points, led the team in scoring on opening night. You're right. He seems to land on the court every time he gets to the hoop on a on a spin-around layup. He's falling down and, and out of bounds. I think he needs to work on that. What's interesting tonight about Bogey is he shot. He only had 11 shots, made 5 of 11. Somewhat of a quiet night when you thought he might – be more important with Ingles out. But the shots really went to Mitchell, who had 25 shots, and then instant O, Clarkson had 19 shots. I'd love to see Bogey get 14 to 15 shots a night, so he was down you know, four or five shots than I would have liked to have seen him get, mm. and I think that hurt him tonight. But all in all, a solid win for the Utah Jazz to come off an emotional opening night no matter where you play, but they were in Utah, get over to Sacramento, beat up a team in the final minutes and really be that mature team that wins 110-101 down the stretch with three, four minutes to go is really where they won this game. Quick take on Conley. Any thoughts on his performance? Well, I think I said while we were watching the game, and I appreciate the question, I said, boy, he's been kind of quiet, and you reminded me, no, he's not. He's had an impact on the game. He had 17 points, two rebounds, and three assists. And watching the game on television at the end, he was like a college kid again, pumping his fist, excited about how it all went down. And I think that was like, look at us. We're a team that is so together and so battle-tested now. We can win games like this, even when athleticism and quickness is not in our favor. Yeah, so it was a good game. I don't know if I, team teams should sleep on the – I don't know if, the, if teams should sleep on Sacramento. I think they're going to be aggressive and athletic. Hopefully they can keep it together. Um, moving on – what do you think of Kevin Durant tonight? So, Kevin Durant, I'll throw that right back to you. You're the one that brought it up as we were chatting tonight about his night. Brooklyn goes in and wins in Philly, and they win on the back of Kevin Durant, who I think had a triple-double through a three quarters. yeah. Three quarters, and he ended up uh, just being the, the, the difference maker in that game tonight for the Brooklyn Nets against the 76ers. It was kind of shocking to turn on the TV and see the Nets or Philadelphia playing so well because they are clearly in a crisis as a team with drama and Simmons. But then it was even more shocking to see the Nets down most of the game. And it just kind of seems weird because we give Durant all this hype and then they start to lose. So it's like, yeah, he's a great player, but why aren't they winning? Um, but he put up... What was it, 29 points? I think he had 15 rebounds and 12 assists or something like that. So numbers that you can't ignore if you're talking about great players. Yeah, I, it's a great point. 29, 15, and 12. And this is a team that has James Harden, who where Harden has played lights out for Houston all these years. Harden had 20 points, 7 rebounds, 8 assists. The, the Nets come back. They were down 7 or 8 uh, into the half. And they come roaring back and score 29 in the fourth quarter and hold Philly to 18. And just a big, big game out of uh, Kevin Durant. And um, you can – so first of all, on Durant, your question, yes, 
just a superstar of superstars. And we've been talking the last 48 to 72 hours as is, is he one of the greats that can be mentioned in the same sentence? So hold on to your shorts, listener. Can he be mentioned in the same sentence as Michael, Kobe, LeBron? Can you start to put Kevin Durant in that sentence? I, I think you can. This is a score, and now he's showing you just his repertoire of triple-double and rebounds and assists, but uh, leads the Nets to a road victory, one that I think they kind of needed because they had lost in Milwaukee. What do you think? Yeah, I think he's definitely someone that we can start talking about. It's going to be important to see him play a little bit more coming off an injury, and I want to see kind of how well he um, can be the kind of main player of the team and instead of just walking into like he did with the Warriors who were already on the championship radar. Um, moving over to the Lakers who got completely murdered by the Suns, uh, 115 to 105. Chris Paul becomes first player to reach 20,000 points and 10,000 assists in NBA history. 20,000 points and 10,000 assists. You got to give it to Chris Paul. I mean, I'm a big jazz fan and that's why we do this podcast and he hasn't necessarily been a guy that we like. We know that he was drafted when Darren Williams was drafted and we all wanted Darren Williams to be better than Chris Paul. The reality is his Chris Paul has turned out to be something special. Should the Lakers be worried that they're 0-2 now? Westbrook, I think, had 15 points tonight. LeBron had 25, but didn't really do any other stats. Are you worried for the Lakers? Listen, you're 0-2. You've played a couple of good teams and the Warriors who are 2-0. and Phoenix got beat on opening night. They're 1-1. One one. It's early. It's early. However... I don't know. It's early. It's going to take a little while for nice. all of this to, to mesh. Um, but when your stars like Anthony Davis are 22 and 14 and LeBron's 22-25-2 and 5, you should be winning. So something's something's not right there, and it could be it could be the defense that is hurting them, which they actually hung their hat on last year. This game wasn't really close. <laughs> The Lakers had to outscore Phoenix 38-21 to by 17 points to even get within 10 points of the final score. So they got throttled tonight. Should the Lakers be worried? If you ask, you know, some of the, you know, if you ask David Locke, uh, voice of the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, he'd say, hey, this is what I predicted. But again, we're two games in. Um, yeah. We'll see. I, you got to see how it all Early for out. everyone. Early for us. Early for pretty much everyone. Teams can get going. Teams can figure them out. And NBA superstars can always pick up a ball and play. So I just read Gobert just had his – it was his 300th career double-double tonight. Kind of a big shout-out to him. We might have missed that earlier. 300 double-doubles. That's kind of impressive. Um, I don't know. Do you want to go into the 7,500 list that just has been released? 75th anniversary player, the top 75 players. Yeah, 75 yep. players, not 7,500. <laughs> 75 players were announced as the – the the best players of this for the 75th anniversary a lot of expected names um i don't know what you thought what was your first reaction when you saw the list being released well i i i nodded uh there weren't many that i could argue and say no to but there are a few the challenge with this list for most of us and i'll even say for me and i'm older is there are some names in here that you can't really say should they be in, should they be out, right? 
Um, Paul Arizin, I'm sure not many people know him. I'm old enough to have seen Nate Archibald played, so I understand that. People might create question Dave Bing. Then you say, well, who's Billy Cunningham? When you try to mix decades and actually eras and generations, it can be really difficult. And you start to say, well, what did Dave DeBusher do? Or, you what know, did who, who did Hal Greer, what was Hal Greer all about? These were men who shaped the game, who won championships and did things early on that at that time in the game was great. It might not be great today because the athleticism is different, the pace is different, and the game is different. So it's really hard. But you and I mentioned a few. You, in particular, yeah. mentioned a few. You thought, where are they and why are they not on this list? So maybe we can debate a few for a minute. Because I didn't really know 40% of these people. And then I started going through the list, and you were kind of responding on what they did. They won a couple of championships. They were an MVP. Um, be honest. Would you be happier if Damian Lillard was not on the list? I would. I think there are some names that were omitted on the list. First thing that comes to mind that was omitted. Um, you know, I, only because, I know it's the first name, but Mark Jackson, I don't think, is See, on this list. I don't really even list. know who Mark Jackson is. I mean, Mark Jackson, I, I think he's third or fourth uh, in assist totals in NBA history. I thought Jason Kidd was. Uh, and, and he's up there as well, right? So he mm -hmm. and Mark Jackson up there, and Jason Kidd makes it. So was the Mark whole Jackson dream, was the whole dream team on this list, or was anybody on the dream team not on these on this list? Because dream team is the standard greatest. Right. Well, Christian Leitner's not on this list, so yes, there's mm -hmm. a dream teamer who's not on this list. I believe. It's, it's hard to scroll through all 75 names. Yeah, putting them on the spot. But I would say, it's not really putting them on the spot, but I would say that every dream teamer is on here with the, the exception of Christian Leitner, who doesn't, wouldn't deserve to be on here. Um, but I think everybody else is on here. Are we forgetting Vince Carter? It's a name that you immediately brought up when you saw the list. So tell me why you believe he should be on here. This is a bold statement, but I think Vince Carter was the most athletic person to play in the NBA. More athletic than Michael Jordan. More athletic than maybe Allen Iverson. More athletic than Tracy McGrady, who also isn't on the list. But those are caliber players that did unbelievable plays. Vince Carter jumped over somebody in the Olympics. Mm -hmm. That's something that, and, and, and that was even one of the most incredible things he did. He won dunk contests. He played in the league for 20 plus years, around 20 years. He put Toronto on the map. He did all these crazy things. He was dunking, throwing it. So you can, you can argue Vince Carter, and then you could argue Damian Lillard and put them head to head and be like, okay, well, at least take, there's one player that shouldn't be on there, throw another one on there. But I don't know. I mean, these are great players. The, the Damian Lillard one, for some reason, is just me. There are probably listeners out there that are going, have I lost my mind? But I just don't know why Damian Lillard is in here and some of and, – and Gary Payton's in yeah. here. i got to be very quiet about that. He is the glove, a defensive player through and through, changed the game as it was played as defense. So I, I'll, I'll say, you know, Gary Payton's in there. People might say, well, why is John Stockton in there? You know, he's the well, – yeah, but but if, if I say, no, but if I say Gary Payton, somebody might go, well, what do you mean? Um, there, there are just a few names that, that are in here that you might question. And like you said, there's a Vince Carter who's not in you here. You talk about players that, that changed the game. 
I think Yao Ming is a player that changed the game globally. Why isn't he on the list? He maybe I mean he was an all star. He definitely had an impact on the game. Maybe he wasn't as good as he could have been, but he definitely made an impact globally and was and there's players that are on this list that are more on the list because of their global impact of the game rather than their skill. So why no Yao Ming? Why no Paul Gasol? These are international players that didn't make the list that I think should have made the list, not strictly because of their talent, but there's some players on the team that are on the list that are on there for more than just their talent. So why omit Yao Ming? And yeah, it's 75 players. You have to stop at 75. But maybe you could have traded out a couple players, put in a Yao Ming, put in a Paul Gasol, put in a Trace McGrady. I, or even there's no Grant Hill. I mean, you could even throw him in there. So there is a, there are many articles that are out there, and we've mentioned a few of the names that are not on the list, and you just made mention of of Yao Ming. We're, we're definitely sure Yao Ming's not on this list. I went through it three times, and I did not. And I think Yao Ming would stand out if I saw it because I'm scrambling right now because I'm just trying. It's to hard to go sure. through the list just because there's 75 names. But there's an article here that says players that were snubbed, meaning not that were left off the list, included Tracy McGrady, who you've mentioned. Yep. I I, I differ. I differ yeah. from you. I think McGrady was great, but I don't think he was 75th worthy. Great. That's me. Vince Carter. I'll agree with you there. Chris Bosh. Ah. Eh, I don't think I think that's the right call. Grant Hill not on the list. Dwight Howard, I get it. Manu Ginobili. Well, Tony Parker's not on the list. Tony Parker should make yeah. it before Manu Ginobili. Paul, Paul Gasol, Dikembe Mutombo, Defensive Player of the Year. So yes, there are some names. And here's one that you throw a lot of shade and a lot of controversy. If I'm going to say Damian Lillard's on the list, so slow down, everybody, back up. Why is Kyrie Irving not on the list? Yeah, I mean. Right now, I don't know. If Irving, uh, Kyrie has a championship, and he's the reason why they won a championship. Yep. One of the best handlers in the league. What what makes Logo Lillard better than him in in, in terms of a career? I, yeah, the Damian Lillard one continues to baffle me. I know he's had a long career. He's he's hit important shots. He's actually been the backbone of the Portland Trail Blazers. But man, you're going to leap. And Kyrie Irving's been controversial. I don't I don't know, but I do say you take Lillard off and put Vince Carter on. If you go to, if you go back to what you said a little bit earlier. So this is fun. You got the big three, the original big three in Boston with Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, and Kevin Garnett. All three of them are on the list. And then you got the big three down in Miami with Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, and Chris Bosh. Chris Bosh is not on the list. So would you say that the the Celtics big three is better than the Heat big three because of the list? Uh, Ray Allen's on the list because of his three-point shooting. So why period. isn't Clay Thompson on the list? Why isn't Clay Thompson on the list, right? Why isn't Clay Thompson? Anyway, keep going. He's not even he's not even listed or as one of the snubs, right? I I this is this a real there tough has one. to be seventy-five. I mean, you you can't. There's probably a lot of ties, you know, like oh they tie. Your, your challenge is, I'll go back to what I said in my setup here, there are many listeners, and there is me, I might be the older one in this whole group, listeners and podcast talker, there are names on here that people are not going to know and they're going to go, what? Why are they on the list, right? But as you move through these, 
like Dave Cowens is on yeah, the list. I'm happy. sure many would say, who is Dave Cowens? He did win championships with the Celtics, um, and he was just an all-around great player in that era. Um, as, as I go through here and look at some of the other names, um, there's not many you can leave off. If you leave Jason Kidd off, that's crazy. He went to two NBA Finals. It's uh, I, I'm losing my mind and a little wacko here, and people are probably going, what is going on? But I think Damian Lillard is the absolute one where I go, why is he on here when there were others that I think were um, equally or more worthy than he was? Am I missing something on Damian Lillard's stats? I think I'm missing something. I mean, if he had won a championship by himself or in Portland already, then I can see why he's on the list. But like, if you're going to compare him to Kyrie, they're about the I mean, one's better than the other. But I mean... You know more than I do when it comes to some of these players. I don't really know what Paul Greer did. I mean, if you want to enlighten us on some of them, there's Elvin Hayes. Well, Elvin Hayes was one of the greatest rebounders to ever play the game, so you've got to go with him. Sam Jones. Uh, Again, championships with the Celtics, and he actually might have been a player coach at one time. You got Jerry Lucas. A great rebounder. You look at his rebounding stats, just an amazing rebounder. I don't know if you know anything about Robert Parrish. Robert Parrish, sure. Big time Celtic, the chief, you know, helped him win championships at a time where the league was really starting to get a lot more parity. Yeah, then you got Bill Sharman. Yeah, an original, original is all I can say about that. When you look at, I've got another one for you. And I I said this tonight while we were chatting and um, you kind of brushed over it and I understand why every MVP is on the list. Oh yeah, this is good. However, one is not. So I should say, with the exception of one, and that's Derrick Rose. So, you know, why would I argue for Damian Lillard to be off the list? Would I ever argue for Derrick Rose to be on the list? And he was a rookie too, right? He was a rookie. I think when so. Derrick Rose, who is the league's youngest MVP ever. So I, I, I thought he won the MVP and the Rookie of the Year in the same year. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's hard because him and like Tracy McGrady, they had short spurts of just greatness that were unbelievable, but they were short. And they weren't really fruitful in terms of championships or they weren't really they weren't really consistent due to injury or other things. And so it's hard for them to be considered, which is why which is why I think Damian I mean, I've said it before in the podcast. Damian Lillard is one of my favorite players. It's just it's questioning it's more of a question of what were what were the standards or what were the what were the what guided these players to be chosen because it doesn't really make sense for Damon Lillard to be in there if people like Rose aren't on the list or people like in that same caliber yeah. there. You know, reading this line one more time for all of the of you who have thought about this the, the list of seventy five, let me read it again. This cause you gotta think this through. Every MVP winner in league history is on the list, with the lone exception of Derrick Rose. So my point is, that narrows the field a little bit, but we've had MVPs who have won multiple MVPs. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes you would look at the list and say, why is Steve Nash on there? Well, that's wacko. The guy's a two-time MVP. In He's the, on the list. During the time Shaq was prime, too, he was MVP. Right, right. So... There's a lot of great players on the list who are not MVPs. Um, and you don't need a championship either to be on the list because you got right. the mailman, you got John Stockton. There's, there's a list of itself. Charles, Charles Barkley, right? 
Um, but then again, you have Tony Parker who won five championships. I think he won. I know the Spurs won five, but he was definitely part of a all of them, if not you know the majority of them. Manny yeah. Ginobili won championships. Pau Gasol goes in and wins championships in L.A. Kobe with Kobe. I mean, Kobe was Kobe, but he doesn't necessarily win those cha- championships without Pau Gasol. And he, you know, so another stud right. that doesn't really get recognized too is Ben Wallace. What could you make a case for? Yeah, him? he's not even on the list, but you know, he's a Hall of Famer. He's a Defensive Player of the Year. He, he's a rebounder. The Detroit Pistons won a championship due in large part to Ben Wallace, and you don't even see his name in these articles. So that's a good, that's a good catch by you, Spence, on that one. Um, this is just a fun debate that I think we should have on and off through the 75th season. Yeah. And maybe we highlight a few of these players and say, hey, our player tonight uh, who was on the 75th anniversary list is Hal Greer. Maybe we talk to our listeners and fans about who Hal Greer is so that everyone knows. But I think, you know, maybe we wrap it up tonight. Um, a lot of energy, actually. I loved watching this game versus watching the game the other night against OKC. And this was a good early, 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 early test mm-hmm. for the Utah Jazz. What are your thoughts on their game tonight at the end? I like, I like Sacramento's fans. The building was ecstatic. And so it was good for the Jazz to experience a young team that's going to be running instead of and, and taking the game to the Jazz. And that's what the Jazz needed is to re- be reminded that, hey, even though you finished number one last year, there are teams that are not going to be afraid of you. They're gonna, there's going to be teams that are going to come at you. There's going to be teams that try to play their game versus responding to yours. And that's kind of what happened. And it took the Jazz a couple of minutes to kind of learn which is good because now they've learned that there are going to be teams that won't just sit back and let the Jazz play their game. There's going to be teams that are going to say, hey, we're young, we're going to come out and win, and we want it, so you're going to have to fight for it too. And you can't sleep on everyone. I mean, we're not going to win every single game. I'd like to, but but we have to know that there are teams that are going to make us fight for them. I don't know what you think. I totally agree. Good test early. Um, it'll be a fun season. I'm, cl- I'm glad we're 2-0. It's better than being 1-1 one one or 0-2. Yep. No doubt 2-0. Listen, here's some fun things. I just looked at the Eastern Conference stands after two games. Washington's 2-0. Hmm. The Knicks, 2-0. Obviously. Chicago, 2-0. Charlotte, 2-0. These will be fun. The, the Eastern Conference, in my mind, after many, many years of taking a side seat or a back seat to the Western Conference, is going to be a fun conference to watch again with the Knicks playing a better game of basketball. Chicago has a team that you don't want to sleep on as we use that phrase. And uh, watching Milwaukee win their first game of the season against the Nets and then absolutely getting waxed. Not I don't know if it was waxed, but they didn't do very well their second game. Uh, this is just going to be a, a fun season again, like I said, at the season, the preseason podcast we had at the first of the week. Just enjoy it. You're watching some magnificent, tremendous players. There's a lot of great players out there. I'm glad the Jazz had a little bit of a rest until Tuesday when they play the Nuggets, which will be a different type of test, maybe even a little bit more, um, a little bit harder test. Nuggets are great. Jokic wasn't on the list. He was an MVP too. He's not on the list. So that statement about every MVP made the list is not true then. I guess he's is he just, not on the list. I don't think he's on it's the so list. hard to remember who's on the list and who's not on the list. So we encourage you guys to go through this by yourselves. 
Anyway, yeah. so we play them Tuesday. Hopefully, we can be rested for that. This was a great wake up call. We were on the, we were on the ground a lot of the times, falling over, trying to get our legs underneath us, just because the team's Sacramento is just taking it to us. But we got the win. Let's get a good rest and get ready for Tuesday. Anything else, Dad? No, that's it. Thanks, Spencer. Thanks. Have a good night. Good night.